From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome in to Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Mark and Ryan with you here and spring football. Ryan, I think needs to be this week. It's perfect weather for a little pad popping, but we will have to wait a few more weeks uh, for the Bulldogs to, the two-time defending champion Bulldogs to uh, hit the practice field. Are you, are you sad that they're not already out there? Well, you know, it is the perfect weather, right? It's spring outside, but, um, you know, I think football needs a breather. I'm not too disappointed that it, you know, they go into mid-March before they put the pads back on. But, um, yeah, you know you know what's going to happen. It's going to return to winter about the time they hit the field, and it'll be down in the mid-30s, and they'll all be complaining about how cold it is. There was no break from football. I know you were glued to USFL over the weekend. and uh, Oh, gosh. You can let me know how that went. Hey, uh, I thought it was what? XFL, by the way. No, this is USFL, isn't it? Oh, maybe it is XFL. I can't remember. USFL- exactly. USFL did a draft. I think it is USFL. Uh, no, I guess it would have to be XFL because if they're playing games, they wouldn't be doing a draft, I guess. I'll be honest, man. I, I need a break from football. I love football, but after eight months of it, let's just let's take a breather. Hey, Todd Monken did an introductory press conference uh, with the Ravens this week. Georgia now has a White House visit set. And uh, Georgia basketball, maybe they can get a win over the weekend. Missouri comes to town. Yeah. We're going to talk Mike Bobo and the change from uh, Monk into Bobo with Hudson Mason, the former Georgia quarterback under Mike Bobo. But uh, a little behind the scenes for you. A little shorter interview than we had hoped. And the reason why is I had to, I had to kind of quickly write up a, a story about details from Jamon Dumas Johnson's police report, uh, incident report. He was arrested yesterday. Uh, and so that delayed me getting on the Hudson Mason interview. And, uh, so, and Hudson had to be somewhere, uh, at, at a, uh, quick time, uh, you know, so, but we, we got a quality, not quantity, right? Right, Ryan? It's all about the quality, baby. All right. Let's talk. Um, I guess we'll start off. Well, before I talk about Jamon Dumas Johnson's arrest for speeding and reckless driving, um, you know, I, I want to keep it on the lighter side, Ryan, there was some important news this week. I don't know if you saw that, but the Whataburger location, I think they're now have broken ground on it. Are you are you excited about that? Thirty two oh one Atlanta Highway. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry, it doesn't it break it's it breaks ground on on March fifteenth, but you have a date now when you know it will open. Well, not open. You know there's going to be you know there's going to be dirt moved. So maybe uh, how long does it take to build one of those things? Will it be ready by football season? I would imagine that would be their goal, right? You want to hit those people coming in for Georgia football games, and in that three low there's three locations. Uh, in our area, one's going to be in Commerce and two in Athens, right? So, I guess you drive, have... you're, so you're saying you would drive from Athens if Commerce was the first to open, you would drive from Athens to Commerce. To well, no, Georgia. but I'm thinking about people coming down from North Georgia, you know, right. on the way to a Georgia game. They might want to hit Commerce there on 441. Yeah. But, you know, I also think I saw a Culver's is going in, uh, like near the Big Kroger north of, uh, north of town there. I'll have to say this about Culver's. Um, not a fan initially. I think I had it once in Kentucky on a road trip, but um, they're back in my good graces. I had it uh, 
somewhere during this football season, it was much better. So I only had it once, and I did actually make the drive to Commerce to get it, <laughs> or Banks Crossing, I guess, is technically what it is out there. I don't think I've ever had a Whataburger. So, um, Me neither. That'll Me neither. Be... Yeah, I'm excited but about that. Let's. I don't know if I'm excited, but here here are my top five burger picks. If I had hats to pick like a like a recruit on signing day uh, or whenever they make an announcement, I'd, I'd put these five hats up there, and then I would just pick one. You ready? You want to, which order? Why don't you give me your five too? Why don't we start with? Uh, should we go one to five or five? To See, one? why do you throw this on me? I, uh, you know, all of a sudden I gotta think fast. I, I go five to one. All right, number five. I'm gonna go with uh, kind of a controversial, controversial choice. That'll be McDonald's. I like a quarter pounder with cheese. What can I say? It's it's uh, it's reliable for like decades, right? They are good. They take me back to you know childhood eating a burger, and that's where McDonald's gets you. That's that's their evil plot. Pull you in when you're young. All right, what's your number five? Oh, shoot. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I like a good Wendy's burger. You know, they've they good, juicy, and, uh, you know, very, very good. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some local connections in here. Number four, I'm going to put Chops and Hops. Uh, in so I thought we were going all fast food here. No, 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 no. Well, see, then you got to think about Clocked. You got to think about. Hey, is that your uh, number four? Yeah, I'll go clock number four, even though it probably could be higher. I wish I had a full day to think about this. I'd be no, no, you, have you a great to... list in front of me. Number three, I got five guys. What do you think of that? See, I'd have five guys up higher because I thought it was all fast food. I think they'd be my number one. I know they, you know, people kind of talk about five guys with the, you know, it's a little pricey. You're, I mean, you're looking at 15 bucks for fries and a burger, but it sure is tasty. And you get, you know, three days worth of fries in every bag. Uh, number two, I'm gonna. You just mentioned. I'm gonna go with clocked. Um, you know, are you a peanut butter burger guy? No, I've never had that. Never Me had. neither. Me neither. But I hear it's delicious. All right, number one. As I stay local, might be underrated. I don't know. I like Groove, which is uh, out by the movie theaters on uh, 316. Yeah, in the Epps Bridge Center, Groove is delicious, and I um, I do love Groove, and uh, yeah, they'd probably be near the top of my list too. Um, non fast food burgers because it it is delicious and who owns that do you do you recall it's somebody not, with local ties you know no all right look if um if the police incident report i got on jamon dumas johnson had said they were speeding to get a burger mm. that might be an interesting detail but that was not the case uh check it out it's on onlineathens.com um the one takeaway i have is that the police officer who saw these two dodge chargers on college station road at a traffic light and then when the light turned, they they were gone like it was the Indy 500 or, or the mm. Daytona 500. The police officer said that he was going 75 miles an hour and he couldn't catch him. So, I don't know. That's not good. And uh, you said College Station, correct? College Station. And I know, <clears throat> excuse me, I know for a fact that it's 35 down through there because I got nabbed one time for speeding on College Station Road. Uh, so, you're talking about 40, 45 miles per hour over the speed limit? That's uh, not good. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, it's been a uh, national championship, and then some uh, so, some not not good uh, arrests that had happened. Of course, the the tragic crash as well uh, that took the life of Devin Willick and, and Chandler Lacroix. Um, Georgia put out a release that said that they're you know nothing really noteworthy. Saying um, we'll see if Kirby addresses uh, you know Jamon Dumas. It's two misdemeanors he's charged with. So 
All right, let's move on to. Um, Sorry, getting right. I guess he was bonded out uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, he was only in there for forty-five minutes, right, uh, or so. All right, Todd Munkin's introductory press conference as he's now a Baltimore Raven. I haven't heard any, seen any tweets or any comments from Ben Cleveland now having a Todd Munkin reunion. Right, they were together in twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, uh, it was interesting to me because I was looking for something different. Um, you know, there's typical press conference uh, comments that you expect to hear, and, and he, did, <laughs> he did hear it. But um, John Harbaugh mentioned that his sister Joni put in a good word for Todd Munkin and actually pretty much as, as he portrayed it, made him aware that, Hey, this is a guy that you need to be talking to. And and that her and Tom uh, were uh, friendly with, with uh, Todd Munkin and his wife when they were in, in Athens the last couple of years. Um, and so I wrote that as the lead to my little story about Todd Munkin with some of his comments about what he said about Georgia and the Ravens. I did not. I mean, I know that people uh, were not happy with how things turned out for Tom Crean in the basketball program, but I didn't realize we're talking 11 months later how much, uh, I don't know, you know, kind of over the topness, I would say. Some of the comments I thought and and tagging him, you know, were, were a little, little over the line. So, I mean, come on. Well, Mike, look, White, Mike White's finishing the, the year, his first year, and Georgia's got a lot more wins and, you know, uh, well, I don't think they could care about the basketball program, honestly, as much as just the fact that he took the took Todd Munkin away. But I mean, Todd Munkin, he's he's a roamer, man. He's a kind of a nomad in the football world. Just goes from one place to the next, and uh, it's no surprise. I don't think that he would have departed for the NFL opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, and the other thing is, he already had interviewed with the Buccaneers, and it's not like. Jim Harbaugh couldn't have talked about going up against that offense either, you know, from the uh, the Orange Bowl. So, I mean, it probably made for a good press conference uh, banter. But, you know, in reality, I mean, Todd Munkin's body of work is what it is on his own. Um, so, but, you know, he, he said Munkin was talking about how he can't be two places at once, uh, you know, his way of saying that, look, I'd love to still be at Georgia, but I also want this opportunity with the Ravens. And when you watch Todd Munk in a, in a press conference, I mean, I can envision him as an NFL head coach. You know, if there is, you know, like, for instance, if he had become the, the Buccaneers coach and the offense was pretty good, but they didn't win enough games and they made a, a head coaching change. I mean, he seems like a guy in-house that like, oh, why don't we look at, at Todd? So and he, he's he's also very frank and honest and blunt and which is kind of a reporter's dream. I mean, <laughs> don't you think when you watch him, he's kind of pretty uh, engaging and entertaining. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, that's what we salivate for, right? Is a, <laughs> you know, get those nuggets out. Well, I would say, you know, Mike, Mike Bobo from talking to him through the years. I mean, he's the same way. He's pretty he's pretty straightforward and blunt um, in a different kind of way. Um, you know, um, kind of more has his game face on, I guess, uh, even in his interview settings. But, uh, you know, Munkin did talk about how the, there are similarities between the Ravens and Georgia in that the culture was set. Um, there was that they were already good on defense and they had stability as a head coach. I mean, how long um, has John Harbaugh been there? Is this like year 14? I don't know exactly, but that's, I mean, yeah, he's been there for a long time. Um, but he, he, here's what Harbaugh said. He said, uh, it's talking ball with him. It was clear how great, how extensive his knowledge is, how broad his knowledge is, how adaptable he is, how versatile he is in terms of what he can do X's and O's and, and his scheme stuff. So, 
Um, you know, yeah, I, I mean, everybody at University of Georgia knows how good Todd Munkin uh, was for a couple of years, but I did find it interesting that you know he did deflect some of the, I guess, uh, acknowledgments and accolades and all that type of stuff by, you know, saying that, uh, you know, he got too much credit. I think a lot of times, and you know, when you when you think about how good Georgia's defense has been, that's really good for a coordinator. And I think that's what Mike Bobo will benefit most from, right? He doesn't have to win 45-42 or possibly lose 45-42. I mean, uh, yeah, I think I think that what, what Munkin said there in that press conference that, you know, maybe he got a little too much credit for some of Georgia's offense's success and, and overall success might have been just a little bit over the top, so. So it's interesting to me that, um, you know, you're seeing a number of, of um, college assistant coaches that are making the moves at the NFL. Um, Florida just lost their defensive coordinator. To the Dolphins, right? I mean, the uh, the Broncos. Yeah, I think those are Broncos maybe. Uh, but, but you hear a lot, and Kirby Smart has voiced this before, just how demanding uh, the recruiting calendar is to coaches, especially right. with young kids. Um, to be able to have any kind of semblance of a life outside of the grind of football. Um, now, the counteract to that is, you know, you are paid very, very well, and you know what you're getting into. Now, interesting to me is that Matt Luke, who stepped away from uh, the Georgia job for, you know, and I wrote about that, I had a chance to to visit with with uh, Matt last spring, Uh you know, he, he he at the time, you know, was making it to be like, you know, it's possible he might not coach again or, you know, he just certainly wanted to spend time with his uh, son uh, who was, you know, on travel baseball and that kind of thing. Now, interesting to me, Matt Luke now, according to Football Scoop, is talking to Notre Dame about their offensive uh, offensive line job. So, um, you know, whether he can, you know, move his family to the South Bend community and still have the ability to, um, you know, um, be the father that can be at his son's games. You know, I, I don't know. And and I don't know what the culture is with that program under the second year coach there. Maybe there's more of a chance to to do that. Or maybe Matt just thought with a year, you know, there's only so much golf I can play and so much purple uh, <laughs> I can do. I mean, you know how it is with coaches, right? They never get out of it for good. It always, you know, they get the itch. They want to come back. And it's funny to think about Matt Luke, you know, I mean, he was a, a good head coach, right? At Ole Miss. And, uh, that you know, I, I'm sure programs salivate for his knowledge and and everything else to to join them, especially as an offensive line coach. So uh, I I didn't really think I know you did a big deep dive story on him last year and uh, and all that, but I I got you know you always get the sense that coaches aren't out of it for good. They're gonna find their way back. They just love it too much, and that's what they live for. All right, let's uh, let's talk more about Mike Bobo, and for that we will bring on Hudson Mason. Uh, the Georgia quarterback, uh, 2014 is when he started uh, for Georgia. Actually, he started a little bit at the end of the 2013 season when Aaron Murray had a season-ending injury. Um, and then Mason was there to step up uh, for very good offense that year, which was really run heavy with Todd Gurley in terms of, I think they put up some maybe record-setting numbers that year. But uh, let, let's see what Hudson has to say about Mike Bobo and Todd Munkin. Thanks for listening to the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Like what you hear? Subscribe today wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating, a like, 
and even leave us a comment to let us know how we're doing. As always, find more content at onlineathens.com and in the Athens Banner Herald. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, let's talk uh, more about the transition from uh, Todd Munkin to Mike Bobo as offensive coordinator. And for that, we bring on former Georgia quarterback Hudson Mason, who is a host in Atlanta on Sports Talk Radio 680 The Fan. And you'll see him as well on uh, ESPN on their family of networks, as they like to say. Hudson, how are you? Hey, guys. Doing good. All right. So as I mentioned, and as we know uh, for, uh, I guess, a little more than a week now, Todd Monken. Now gone to the Baltimore Ravens, Mike Bobo, your former quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator, is moved up to offensive coordinator. What does this mean for Georgia football, do you think? Yeah, I think it's uh, it made a lot of sense. I think it's uh, a really good decision by Kirby. I, I really wasn't as surprised by it as maybe other people were. I, I thought when Coach, Bro- Coach Bobo was brought on staff last year as an analyst, I, I thought that that was uh, really telling. And eventually, I, I felt like he would be the guy once Todd Munkin left. So it was just a matter of time. It felt like when Todd Munkin was going to try to jump back to the NFL. So, you know, if, if maybe if, if Coach Bobo, if this was him coming in from the outside for the first time and he was trying to learn Todd's system and everything and learn it on the fly, it might be a more concerning. But I think the fact that he's studying Todd Munkin's system, been really involved with the game planning. I mean, I, I just think that uh, in his experience and success of calling plays in the SEC, um, I uh, I like it. I think it makes a lot of sense, and it's a great fit. Take us inside the, I guess, the film room or whatever when, when you played for for Mike Bobo. You know how how in you know into everything was he? How much did he study everything and and you know make you really feel like you understood a, a defense that you were going to play against? Yeah, I, I always said, and I and I believe this is that uh, I thought I knew football coming in out of high school. And I really did it. And, and I realized that once I got to Georgia, um, you, you start to uh, sit in a meeting room and get taught football. You really get you get exposed and you realize that your understanding of the game is just uh, very minimal. And um, being around him and Aaron and, and uh, learning and being able to watch tape. And, and I thought Coach Bobo really taught me how to view football from a 22 man perspective, not just 11 on offense and not just knowing what responsibility was but understanding what the defense was doing and um i think that's the goal the, the role of a, every quarterback is you know you you need to know uh why this why this certain route combination attacks this type of coverage and why it works and you know your, your job as a as a quarterback if you're doing it right is is to be the offensive coordinator on the field and so coach bobo puts a lot of honest quarterbacks that he demands that you are a student of the game. You can't make it in his system uh, if you're not smart, if you don't spend time studying, uh, and if you're not a gym rat. And um, and if you're not, you know, you'll probably never be a starter. Uh, and his whole thing is, you know, he used to have a saying, don't depend on the undependable. And uh, what he meant by that was is uh, kind of going back to what I just mentioned. If, if you're not dependable, and especially as a quarterback, um, you're probably never going to sit in that one chair as a quarterback, and you gotta you gotta earn the trust of of Coach Bobo and and Coach Kirby Smart by the way you practice, by the way you answer questions in a meeting room, um, and that's how you win the job. And um, I think uh, that's what will be interesting about this three man quarterback competition is I'm most fascinated to know like you know what system are they running? Is it is it Coach Bobo's system? Is it his vernacular? Is it his verbiage? 
Is it Coach Munkins? I would imagine that it's going to be, you know, the base concepts and the bulk of it is going to be what they've been running the past three years with Munkin. But Coach Bobo will come in and kind of add his flavor and add his wrinkle to doing things. And a lot of it's going to depend on who the quarterback is and, and what that quarterback's given specific uh, skill sets are. You mentioned, um, you know, kind of some of the Munkin offense, some of the Bobo offense. How much do you think of what 2014 Georgia offense, how many elements of that do you think uh, would, would you know, kind of translate over into what Mike's going to run uh, in 2023? Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of carryover in the run game. You know, I've tried to follow Coach Bobo uh, everywhere he's been. Um, from Colorado State, they ran the same exact offense and, South Carolina was very similar. Uh, Auburn, not so much because he was having to run somebody else's system. But um, I think in the run game, look, you know, there's only so many different types of runs in football. You've got zone, you've got power, um, you know, you've got inside zone, outside zone, counter. And, and so I think uh, I think a lot of the run game carries over no matter really, unless you're running the triple option, what system you're running. I think the pass concepts um, is probably where the game has changed the most from when I last played in 2014 uh, to where it is now. And I think that's where it's probably coaches have to evolve the most every year is in the pass game, not so much the run game and the RPO game. These people are so, these offenses now are so advanced and so creative with how they create mass mismatches and RPOs. And, and um, it seemed like uh, Todd Munkin's system was very RPO friendly and, um, and so I would imagine that that's going to be a part of the offense that's that's going to continue. But I'm uh, guys, I'm as fascinated and, and eager to see what it looks like as much as anybody else. And I've gotten that question about, hey, what do you think this thing's going to look like? And and ultimately, I I don't I won't know. I think I'll have a better feel for it after I see some of it in the spring. Um, will they look like us in 2014 where we've got a fullback in the game and you know, we're probably as run heavy as we were in 2014. No, because times have changed. Uh, and the team that he's got now is is different. I think it's also better from top to bottom than um, than what he had uh, in 2014. And really any any offense. I thought the 2012 offense was the most talented. But the way Kirby's recruited, it's just he's getting a to- totally different and I think a better toolbox uh, to work with. But the big question will be, how does he gel with the quarterback? How does he work with the quarterback? And who is the quarterback going to be? That was going to be my question. You know, obviously he's going to have a new quarterback. Is that beneficial for him to kind of make his stamp, you know, on somebody that hadn't really, um, you know, worked with, you know, like Stetson worked with Monk yeah. a lot, you know, but but Bobo gets to kind of put his mark on, on this new quarterback. Yeah. You know, I think there's certain pros and cons to it. I, I think the one big con, if it would be a con, if he's having to come in and bring in a whole new offense and start from scratch, the negative would be that Carson Beck really is having to start over uh, and that the the advantage or maybe the the mental uh, and the understanding of having the playbook that he understanding the advantage over the two young guys, a lot of that becomes mitigated because everybody would be starting over. Um, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think that would be smart of Kirby, and I don't think that's uh, what he wants to do. I think he wants to keep a lot of it the same. And I think what he'll do is he'll he'll ask Coach Bobo to adjust as opposed to asking, you know, 20, 30, 40 kids on the offensive side of the ball to, to adjust and learn something new. He'll ask one guy to learn something new. And so 
that I've seen that work and I've seen it fail. Uh, it failed with Brian Schottenheimer when he was the offensive coordinator and he was brought in and Coach Rick wanted him to learn Bobo's system. And after spring ball uh, and after a little bit of camp, uh, I know for a fact that Schottenheimer was like, hey, I can't do this. Like when I when I get in the booth and on game day, I've got to be able to call a play and it's got to roll off the tip of my tongue. I can't be thinking about, hey, okay, well, I called this, this. And, and so that's the challenge that, that can sometimes happen. But Brian Schottenheimer was an external guy. Bobo is an internal guy. And so he's already been in this system. And so I can't emphasize enough how valuable I think that is. Hudson, great insight. I know you're pushed up against it with another obligation, but uh, we appreciate you joining us and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, we uh, thank Hudson Mason, of course, for joining us and providing us uh, his uh, knowledge of uh, what Georgia's offense might look in 2023 under Mike Bobo. And I want to talk about the White House visit. Before we do, I, I thought we'd make mention, Ryan, of some sad news that you shared over the weekend, uh, of the passing of a former Georgia walk-on offensive lineman named Chris Abbott that you knew from growing up. Is that right? Yeah, we went to high school together and um... – you know, he was a friend of mine. We played basketball he, or uh, baseball together. He was a year ahead of me uh, in school. But, yeah, came up to Georgia, walked on the football team. Uh, Mark Rick loved him and his family. And, uh, you know, his, his parents started Bulldogs battling breast cancer. Um, that has raised a lot of money for St. Mary's Hospital. You know, Keely Ringo's mother, uh, Haley there, uh, helped them out and raising a lot of money and, and, and did the spike squad, you know, she put on the pads for the pink out they'd have and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, uh, it was sad to learn that, that he had had some health problems and, uh, and passed away. Yeah. Our condolences to that family. And I know that they um, obviously um, have, have remained a part of uh, what goes on in Bulldog nation with this charity um, fundraiser that they do. And it's more than just the golf event. They do other things during the year, I guess, as well. So, yeah, they do a couple of golf events and a lot of fundraisers. And, you know, I think they just showed they presented a $250,000 check to breast cancer research uh, at the at St. Mary's. So they do a lot of good. All right. The Georgia Bulldogs have uh, been extended an invitation uh, to go see President Joe Biden at the White House, uh, which, um, you know, they have not done. They didn't do last year after winning the national title. And, uh, you know, there have been there have been teams that have gone back or have returned to the White House for these kind of ceremonies. The Atlanta Braves, after their World Series win, I think it was maybe last September or October, early October, I guess it would have to have been Golden State Warriors. Uh, I think it was maybe a week or two ago. And I know there were a bunch of Olympic athletes maybe last late spring that were there um, as well. So um, Georgia's congressional delegation and the senators from Georgia – wrote a letter to the White House last month asking for uh, the Bulldogs to get that honor, and uh, it is now going to happen. And, Ryan, everybody, Democrat, Republican, Independent, <laughs> Bernie Sanders people, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene people, they are all are in support of this visit, correct? That's what it looked like. And then they sign a document saying that the president should welcome the two-time national champion Georgia Bulldogs to the White House. And I want to, I mean, did Warren Brinson really, was he the catalyst behind this? 
I don't know. And also, I mean, I mean he was the uh, you know the tweet the other day that seemed to gain a lot of traction and seemed like that kind of sparked it. I don't know if that's accurate. I mean, it might be, but look, here's the thing: is that Brinson Brinson wrote it uh, like like let me pull up his tweet. Here's what Warren Brinson wrote. This is the defensive lineman, um, charismatic defensive lineman, uh, from what we've gotten to know. Yeah, so he tweeted, no no invite to the White House is crazy. And then he did like a, a, a crying, and then he tagged the POTUS account. So based, <laughs> based on that tweet, there were a number of websites, and I won't necessarily call them news websites, but that tweeted, or that, that wrote stories with headlines saying that George is not going to the White House. <laughs> based well, on Warren, Warren Brinson. So uh, I think he did spark it. I think I mean, Warren Brinson can be blamed. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, he they're going, and um, those headlines that said they weren't going uh, are not they were not accurate. Um, so we don't have a date yet. And actually, Georgia last night, Georgia Athletics, so they actually have not got an official invite yet. I guess the um, well, you know, the, pro pro teams kind of what organized it around when they'd be playing a Washington team. That's why the Braves went late yeah, last year. As far as I know, Georgia's not playing Maryland, for instance. Exactly. So I wonder how they would uh, – Look, how, here's how the thing, though. I mean, Georgia goes Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday during the spring, right? And they have yeah. a certain way of doing things. Um, I would guess that Kirby Smart would want this done before spring practice if possible. But, like, that is in uh, – that's giving you, like, two weeks because spring practice is starting after spring break. Why can't it be May or in the summer? I mean, is there too many people going too many places during that time? I think that would be the issue. The other thing is, um, I mean, I think they could do it on a Monday or a Friday. Uh, You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. you just have to carve out basically a day. Um, And Georgia's seniors the guys that are getting ready for the nfl you know there's going to be 12 in indianapolis next month or next week uh or 13 if you include and if you include walk-ons anyway uh those guys this is the time for them to more more or less do it actually that's another thing i just thought of is this combine is another conflict uh well that's next week so they could do it how about the week of april uh april 6th to 10th i think that's when it needs to happen i don't know what joe biden's schedule looks like when is easter Easter's usually like Master's Week or something. Well, you know, it fluctuates with the moons, right? But, uh, you know, I don't know. You got a lot of things to worry about. You got finals to worry about. There's a lot of obstacles here. All right. Well, we'll see when that is. Um, And uh, so congrats to the Bulldogs to uh, getting to go do that. Well, they take a – I guess they'll take a 46 jersey. Is that what they do to give the president? I don't, now you're getting political. All right. <laughs> no, it's his number. Who's who's 46 on Georgia now? I don't know. I don't know. But that would be the uh, you know 46 president. That usually is the jersey they give to that person, right? All right. Let's look at the basketball. The Georgia men's basketball team uh, coming off a couple of uh, tough blowout losses. I think is the word. Very, very tough road games. Uh, crushed it out of Alabama. <laughs> Crushed at Arkansas, return now Saturday against Missouri, and then Tuesday against Florida before going to South Carolina to end the regular season. Now, South Carolina took Alabama to overtime yesterday, but the uh, Crimson Tide ended up prevailing. Um, 
That's yeah, Alabama, Alabama got some issues on their hands. That, that situation with Brandon Miller. That's yeah. something else too. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And he lit up Georgia too, I think. I don't well, know then he put up 41 last night. It's kind of crazy. Know, so, yeah. Speaking of, but you know what? Arkansas, they did their thing. They set a program record for best shooting percentage in an SEC game. It's 63, <laughs> 63.8%. Now, I know talking to Mike White after the game on the Zoom, he thought that they played better defensively than they did against Alabama in terms of their effort, but they were just hitting some deep shots that they thought, you know, the percentages and the scouting report said, uh, you know, that wouldn't be the case. Now, Georgia does have major issues in the post. Yeah, they're getting killed yeah. inside. Yeah. 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 So, but the, uh, Arkansas, little not too shabby, 11 of 20 from three-point range. Uh, so, Georgia, you know, 16 and 11, I think, is the number. Is it 12? Something 16. Six and nine in the SEC, right? Mm-hmm. Here's a road situation. Lose by 29 to Tennessee. Lose by 21 at Auburn. Lose by 25 at Texas A&M. You're about to hit a 50. Lose by 49 at Alabama. 49. <laughs> and lose by 32 to, at Arkansas. Yeah, man. Woo! Now, the, you know what? They're really good at home. And so they got two or three. At, now, at let's home. not discount the the quality of that opponent. I mean, it's not like they're no, going to. No, that's the to, thing is that yeah. all those all those teams, You, I think you might have all five of those. How many are there? One, two, three. All five of those might be in the NCAA tournament. Right. You know? And sure Georgia's, Georgia's had some, you know, their easier opponents have come at home. Yes. So. Yeah. Except yeah. Kentucky, which they got a W. And, and they, they beat Auburn at home. Yeah. They beat Auburn at home, too. Kentucky, yeah. look at the SEC standings today. I mean, when they lost to Georgia, they, they were outside the bubble. You know what? Now they're third in the SEC. And then they beat them. They beat Tennessee again, right? Just yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. they swept Tennessee. Yeah. So. Basketball is a funny sport. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get out, a couple of other quick things. Um, baseball lost the season opener uh, to Jacksonville State and came back and won the next two games. Softball had a rough uh, has had a rough time since their tournament in Orlando. Mm-hmm. They lost twice, I think, to Stanford. They lost to Charlotte and then got. I think they lost to Clemson on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Ryan, yeah. Ryan, I know you're flipping it right now. You're just waiting for track and field to uh, mm-hmm. you know, get their chance to do their thing. And Ryan, I know you are overly, you're very impressed with what you saw in some uh, photos of the new track and field locker room, right? Yeah, I mean that looked uh, impressive. I I don't think we ever got an inside look. They used to be in Stegman Coliseum, right? Isn't that where their locker room used to be? And I know we never really got a good look at what it looked like in there. But yeah, that was impressive. It looked very Nike-fied or whatever you'd call it inside uh, very nice displays and, and bright and looks like it would be very welcoming to a recruit. Yeah. I wonder what the, uh, the Illinois track coach thinks of now all these. Uh, I thought about that. Now he was looking for more than just, you know, that kind of thing. He was looking for a new total facility. facility yeah, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which Georgia, you know, as a, uh, Baseball learned having to wait a year, you know, things uh, might happen slower than people want anyway sometimes. But Well, they're probably just like, you know, we're trying to have track practice out here during spring football. All we hear is Kirby shouting and cussing. I got to get out of here. All right. Uh, let's let's uh, wrap with uh, just this one thing is uh, this weekend, Mark Rick will get uh, a Hall of Fame honor going into the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, I believe there's a couple other. Georgia-related uh, guys going in. Steve Weber, the uh, late baseball coach, uh, was uh, is a member. Then there was somebody from tennis uh, that got in. Now I need to call this this name up. I have it here on my file. Ryan, I know you're you're into the tennis Hall of Famers from Georgia. 
Uh, who's your favorite uh, tennis hall of famer? <laughs> uh, John Isner's going to make the hall of fame. I was going to say, got to be John Isner. Uh, shoot, now his name's uh, Pernforce. How about Michael Pernforce? All right, what we're talking about, this person is Al Parker. Okay. He won he he uh 25 national junior titles and then was all SEC and, and all American in four years at Georgia. Uh inducted into the Georgia Tennis Hall of Fame in 2003 and the Collegiate Tennis Hall of Fame in 2007. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna tell Manny Diaz that you don't have any respect for Al, Al Parker. Uh he's a good guy. All right. Uh well, congratulations to Mark Rick, who's also going into the College Football Hall of Fame uh in December. And uh, Ryan, keep it clean. I don't want to have to report on any arrest over the weekend. Hey. Uh, and, uh, you know, just count down the days until that Whataburger opens, okay? I'm counting them. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Uh, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll see you soon.